If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. On the robot, you'll see your concentration level. So you're sending your brain signals via Bluetooth to the robot. And so all you got to do is really focus. And then when your concentration meets the robot's levels, then the robot will start moving forward. Walter Martinez is having fun exploring robots' capabilities and sharing his expertise. Walter, who has been a member of the Southern California Robotics Society since 1992, teaches electrical engineering classes at Cal State Long Beach. And he came to the U.S. from Honduras with the goal of learning to build robots. During a previous visit in 2017, Walter had been building an InMove, which is the world's first 3D-printed life-size robot. Today, he has not only completed construction on his InMove, but he's equipped it to respond to brainwaves. In addition, Walter recently acquired a Pepper humanoid robot, which is capable of carrying on conversations and distinguishing emotions for on-campus research. And if you also love robots, even if you're a complete novice, Walter and RSSC would like to invite you to their upcoming meetings. Walter, since the last time I saw you, you've been doing some extraordinarily cool stuff with robots, and we have two pretty intriguing ones here. What can you tell me about them? Sure, yeah. So one is an InMove. It's a 3D printed robot. Last time we talked, I was barely printing parts, and now it's actually moving around. And I'm able to control it by concentrating on movements. And I also have Pepper. Pepper is a humanoid robot. It's a social robot, and it's got some pretty amazing technology behind it. Would you tell me about Pepper first? I haven't seen that many Pepper robots outside of CES. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to win a grant, and I was able to get Pepper for the university here in Long Beach, Cal State University, Long Beach. I was able to get her so that I could do some research with the students on controlling robots, how do we interact with social robots, for example, and just to experiment with the technology because it is the latest and greatest. That's really cool. If I come into your class right now, you're going to show me what I can do with Pepper. What are some of the things we can do? Well, one of the things is we can have a conversation with Pepper. So she has a wide array of questions that she understands, and so you can talk to her. She can also read your face to see if you're happy or sad. Wow. Yeah. What kind of a conversation might you have? What might you ask her that she understands? Things like, you know, what are the laws of robotics? Who made you? When were you born? Do you have any siblings? How do you feel right now? Those kinds of things. How does a robot usually feel? <laughs> I guess it'll pick an answer based on the sensors. Yeah, so it depends. If she has enough power, she'll be happy probably. And how can she tell what I'm feeling? She reads your face, and so she has a database of faces or, you know, the different face movements that people have, facial expressions, and she can compare an expression against your face, and then she can tell you if you're smiling or if you're sad, those kinds of things. Your video has you actually testing her with a fake smile. How does she react? Oh, yeah, she was uh, pretty scared. <laughs> <laughs> you also scared the poor thing with a fake mouse, I might add. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm still playing around with her, and just finding out a lot, of, a lot of things, interesting things that are in there. Now, what about the InMove that's right behind you? Ah, so the InMove, 
I finally got it all connected and I'm finally able to make it move. And, and so I decided one day, hey, why don't I try to make it move just by thinking about it? What are the steps from there? Ah, okay. So first I started with a small servo motor. I said, well, let me see if I can move a servo motor. So what happens is I have this, this sensor. It's called an EEG, which is electroencephalography. And so what it does is it reads the different brain waves that we produce when we think about things. And so I'm able to read different brain waves, but I'm taking the beta waves. And so with those waves, I can focus on concentration. And so what I did was I split it into 10 parts. And the more you concentrate, the more that you can reach levels. And based on the levels that you reach, I can have movements on the robot. Draw me a word picture of that, would you? I come in here right now, I want to move your robot with my brain. How do I do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So on the robot, you'll see your concentration level. So you're sending your signals via Bluetooth to the robot, your brain signals. And so all you got to do is really focus so you can focus that the robot is going forward. And then the robot, when it reaches that level where your concentration meets the robot's levels, then the robot will start moving forward. If you keep concentrating that it goes backwards, it'll go backwards. That's incredible. With so much information coming at us every day, how difficult is it to focus on the robots going backwards, the robots going backwards, when you have a zillion other things going on? Well, that is the problem, actually. So that's why it's not being used for, like, prosthetics, for example, because our brains, they go all over the place. Anything that we see, you know, like a flashlight or something, will immediately turn around, and our brains are now focusing on something else. So different parts of the brain are going to start focusing on different things and producing different waves at different levels. And so the waves that you initially were thinking about are now different. So the robot's not going to do anything, even though you're thinking about making it move, but you're now focused on something else, so it won't move anymore. What do you as a roboticist use to get around that? Well, we're trying to figure out different things like filters, using filters. And so by basically filtering out those signals so that they sort of match using thinking ahead. So if if a signal sort of matches, even though you're distracted, then we're going to think that the robot will actually move. And so we'll make it move. So basically a lot of filters, and that's what we use right now. And where are you so far with that? How successful have you been with filtering out so the robot will do something with other steps going on? Well, not (laughs) not too well, actually. Yeah, concentration is very difficult. So one of the things that I do is to concentrate back quickly, I'll just start doing math in my head because then your brain starts getting those beta waves back up where you have to focus on things, and then I can reach those levels again. But if you just start looking around the room, for example, it's pretty hard to concentrate and get to that level again. You really have to focus on some, some problem that you're trying to solve, which is what those beta waves do. Really silly question for a non-science person. You do math in your head, that focuses you. What if you're an arts person? Could you say a poem in your head? Would that do the same thing? Yes, because you have to basically use the part of the brain where you're actually memorizing things. And so you have to bring up something that was memorized. And so, yeah, you can reach that level. So saying, for example, a Shakespearean sonnet would work equally well as doing an equation. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Walter said this particular area of research has some exciting implications. You know, there's things that they're using this technology for, like epilepsy, to study people who've had strokes, 
PTSD, other mental illnesses. But also people can play video games just by thinking about it. They can move characters on the screen. Oh, that's mind-blowing. Yeah. We'll find out more about that online. Sure. So there's a company that makes a product called NeuroSky, and it's a product that anybody can buy. Kids can buy it also. And it comes with apps and games, and they can start basically playing with, with games based on waves that are being read from their brain. Wow. I have a friend who is a total computer nerd like I am, and she's going to go nuts when she hears this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can get it just about anywhere. So NeuroSky is the company, and you'll find them everywhere. Also, yeah. tell me a little bit, would you please, about the work with people who've had a stroke or with epilepsy. What are you seeing? Yeah, so what I see is like when they, they read the charts of the, the levels that they're reading that are coming out of their brains, and you can truly see what's happening as soon as people have a stroke or a epilepsy episode. You know, you can see the, the patterns changing completely. I was actually wondering if that could be used for people who are autistic, for example. Can we read their patterns and see why if their patterns don't follow a particular pattern that they should? So there are so many things that we can do with it. Would you tell me one of your absolute favorite stories about working with Pepper and about working with Evo? Sure. So Pepper, you know, it's got a lot of hidden commands and, and things like that. So you'll say something that is not on the manual and she'll respond. And so you'll start kind of thinking that she's actually alive. <laughs> because you never read that, right? You have a, a list of things that she'll understand, but then you'll ask her something random, and then somehow she'll answer it back. And so you start thinking, hmm, is that uh, what's going on there? <laughs> Has she managed to scare you yet? A couple of times, actually. She said a couple of times things that I'm thinking, hmm, that sounds a little strange, but <laughs> I'm thinking is somebody connected to her looking at me answering <laughs> because she is connected to the Internet. How much fun. What about Evo? What's been one of your most fun experiences with him? Well, with Evo, the people's reaction. So one of the things, I've had Evo in a large group of people, right, walking along, very large crowds. And the first thing that people do is they turn around and see who's controlling it. So they look at the robot, they get surprised, and then they turn around all over the place looking, okay, who's controlling this thing? <laughs> Even though it's like a ton of people all around them, yeah. As far as filtering, you're still working on filtering, but once you have it down to a science, what do you envision with Evo for the future? What's your dream for this is what it's going to do when I control it with my mind? <laughs> well, so there's two ways to be able to read your brain waves. One is you actually got to have an operation and they'll basically open your head and they'll stick a bunch of sensors on your brain and then they'll close you up again. And that way you can focus on very specific things. Now with that, you can control very, very specific things about the robot, like, you know, move your arm up, move it down, you know, bend down and pick up something. But the, the type of sensors that I'm using right now are non-invasive. So I'm very limited to the amount of signals that I can read and things, commands that I can produce out of that. You would not have a surgery to have that done, or would you? Uh, no, but I've been looking at pictures of how that's done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that we have some kind of an innovation in the future where nobody has to have invasive surgery and we can still command our robots. Yeah, that's actually the, that's actually the goal. That's actually the goal, including for amputees and people you know, who, who need to move limbs that they still have, but they can't. How do we do it? So one of the things that they're researching right now, because what happens is, 
when you think about something, the neurons in the brain basically produce a signal spike, electricity, which produces magnetism. And so what we do is we can measure the magnetism from far away, for example. So we don't even have to have anything on our heads or surgery or anything like that. By measuring those magnetic waves, we can actually convert those to commands for our own limbs or for a robot, for example. That's exciting and a little scary. It's like our brains are more powerful than we could appreciate. Yes, actually they are. They're extremely powerful. So the brain has, you know, about 100 billion neurons in there. And so although the neurons are slower than a transistor, they have so many multiple connections to every other neuron. So there's trillions of connections. But what's interesting is to make a small motion, you only need a a handful of neurons, less than 100 neurons to move your arm to pick up something, for example, which is incredible. Yeah, we can't even do that with a robot without having a huge computer with millions of transistors, for example. Think of the implications for the future if somebody has a prosthesis, if somebody's learned to walk again after a spinal column injury, something like that. Yeah, so that's one of the big goals because there's been research on monkeys that you can actually feed the signal that you recorded. So the monkey was grabbing a piece of fruit. The scientists recorded the signal, then they fed it back to the monkey's brain, the exact same signals that they read, and the monkey actually was trying to move the arm in the same direction that it was doing it while it was doing it physically. It grabbed the signal, and then the arm was like moving around to the same place. Wow. So, yeah, so you can, well, so you can mind control some people too, I guess. <laughs> the monkey moving it against its will is what I just heard you say. Yeah, exactly. So that's a, that's a crazy idea because that means you can control somebody, I guess. I'm thinking maybe, I don't know. <laughs> that's a little scary too because that's, that's the scary. scary aspect. What would be some of the ethics and some of the privacy considerations for the future if we get where that happens? Yeah, you know, that's that's something that I was thinking about today, as a matter of fact, because I'm thinking, wow, just by thinking about something, I can actually control something anywhere in the world, actually across the planet. If I want the Mars rover to open its gripper, you know, if I have it connected correctly, I can just think about it and the Mars rover on Mars can actually open its gripper. So, yeah, so there's so many things that can come out of this, and but I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I don't know. There's so much that we still don't know. What am I looking at here? We've got this incredible pattern in front of us, a chart and the brain. What is this? Yeah, so these charts here show you the different waves that we can read with devices like the EEG and at the frequency that they run. But more importantly, you can see which parts of the brains get triggered based on those waves. And then you can see how the brain is divided into different sections that control motor control, hearing, you know, those kinds of things. And so if we focus on a particular brain wave and we look at where it's located at, then we can see how our brain is being triggering things in there. But what's neat about some research that was done is that even if you think about something now, certain parts of the brains will get triggered. Now, later on, you can think about the exact same thing and the brain could actually shift that to other parts of the brain. You won't see it in the exact same spot. And so that is the challenge, and that's why they can't adapt an EEG to like a prosthetic hand, because you won't read the exact same value again next time. 
that's, never knew that. that's the issue. Yeah, that's the issue right now. And that's why prosthetic hands, the way they move is they attach sensors to muscles from the existing part of the limb that you still have. It's not attached to an EEG. Wow. Yeah. That's just absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. I, I love this stuff. It's amazing. So. What has so far, this will be a tough question, what's been one of the most fun experiences you've had since you've been working with Pepper and Evo? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about the possibilities where I no longer have to have a remote control or, you know, uh, where I can just think about things that I wanted to do and it will do it. And so it's kind of fun just to see it move to where you want it to. I want to see the response on people's faces when you have that Evo move into the room. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you can record it. Yeah. We haven't said a word yet about Robotic Society of Southern California. You've got That's some correct. cool stuff coming up. Yes, so I'm currently the secretary for the Robotic Society of Southern California, just rssc.org. We've been around for a long time, and we do some incredible things in there. So what I do is just like a little bit of what people present every month. So that will be the second Saturday of the month at California State University, Long Beach. We've had some guest speakers here from Hanson Robotics, from JPL, from other universities. I mean, you name it. But anybody's welcome to come. We have kids. We have people who have no knowledge of robotics, but they want to see and learn. And so I welcome everybody. In fact, you emphasized that in our previous interview, that people sometimes come in, you and Alan both said, uh-oh, they get a little bit intimidated because people are so knowledgeable. But if somebody were a flat-out new beginner like I am, they could come. Oh, yeah, definitely. In fact, we have a member who has been coming since 1992, and he still hasn't built a robot. He just loves to see all the latest and greatest stuff. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. everybody come. Yeah. Now, you have open source, I think, software as well on your website? Yes. Yeah, so everything is, just about everything we do is open source. So yeah. people can actually take the project and make something and bring it and say, look what I made. Yeah, exactly. And so that's part of the fun is to do a show and tell. So we have lectures, and then we also have competitions, and then we have a show and tell. The show and tell, you never know what crazy thing somebody's going to bring. So I welcome everybody. Please check out rssc.org for the details and dates and times. And it's going to be great. You'll get to see all the things that people in Southern California are doing that you never knew about in robotics. How cool. As we wrap up here, if a little kid is listening from, let's say, somewhere like Honduras, and they fall in love with robots... What would you say to that kid to get them over here and get them working with robots? Oh, excellent question. That was actually me mm-hmm. 20 years ago. I came from Honduras with the dream of learning about robotics and building robots, and I have done quite a bit of that. One of the things that I do tell kids is that basically don't give up because there is light at the end of the tunnel. You might think that you get stuck in one class or one topic that you don't understand, But if you keep going at it and just keep going, keep going, eventually things will fall into place, things will click, and you'll move on to achieve the things that you want. But don't give up. That's the main thing. It's just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and you'll see that you'll get there for any kind of experiments that they do. This is great. Walter, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was was so much fun to talk about these things. You and I have been listening to Walter Martinez, past president of Nonprofit Robotics Society of Southern California, or RSSC. Currently, Walter serves as RSSC's secretary and teaches electrical engineering classes at Cal State Long Beach. And he'd like to invite you to come see what the Robotics Society of Southern California is all about, 
RSSC meets on the second Saturday of every month at California State University, Long Beach. You'll find more information on the Robotics Society of Southern California and their upcoming events at rssc.org. That's rssc.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to Over Coffee through our website, twomavericks.com. That's T-W-O-M-A-V-E-R-I-X.com, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.